Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Guys, before we get started, I would love for a second. I'm gonna. I want to do. Um, I want to do a portrait of the church. Okay. Um, I just love to do. I'm gonna do a pan vision right here. And here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put it here, and I've got it. Okay. And so uh, here we go. Everybody smiles. Say cheese. Oh yeah. Perfect. 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 Okay. So I'm going to post that up to next week in the cafe. And so it's just going to be a beautiful portrait of, I want you to think about something. Most of you were like, uh-oh. Now, now here's what I want you to see. Next, next, next Sunday, I'm going to post it up in the cafe for all of us to see. Many of us next week are going to come in with great expectation. You're going to say, where's the picture? Where's the portrait? And you're going to zoom in to one single person in the photo. You. You. You see, you always, always look at a photo. You look for you first. You look for you first. And then if you're satisfied with the way you look, then you might look for your spouse or you might look for a friend and go, oh, look how you look and that sort of thing. Now, being honest... Anytime we see a photo of ourselves, we look for us first. We just do. And I thought, oh, isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? Because I do the same thing. I'm not saying you guys. I do the same. It's like, make sure that, right, your hair's not out of place, or make sure you didn't blink your eyes. Anybody ever take a photo where your eyes are closed and all that good stuff? We do that all the time, right? And then we go, oh, no, no, don't post that. Don't post that. Oh, don't post that, because I look. I just, is that how I look? And sometimes we don't believe this is how we look, right? That's not how I look. Man, my hair's really gray in that picture. No, it's really gray, I'm just saying. (laughs) And we do that, church, we do that. Now, it made me think. Anything ever do? It made me think, so I decided to research, and I, why? Why do we, Lord, what's the point, right? And so um, I decided to go on the internet, and here's what I found. Now, I found 16 responses to this question. Why do we look at ourselves first in a group picture? I found, I'm not going to give you 16. Let me just give you the top five. Okay, these are the top five that people say. Number one, they say, I take bad pictures, so I look to see how bad it was. I don't see it as pride thing, just a thing we do to see how our image is by instinct. We do care how we present ourselves, but not to be better, just not so bad. That's what one person wrote. Now, some of you are going to relate to this, but some of you are like, no, no, no. Number two, I think I do it, I do it because I want to see if there was an okay or bad picture of me. I'm always closing my eyes, smiling weird, or standing strangely. I wonder how many of you, when you thought I was posting a picture, you actually smiled for the picture. You thought, oh, he's taking a picture. You know, we, we do that. I saw some of you even start to pose. (laughs) Number three. Number three. Well, I looked to see if I looked any better than the last picture. And usually not, this one wrote. I'm not really old. It's just my photos that tell me the truth. That's why I don't like them. 
Any of you ever look at a photo and go, man, that person looks really old. And they go, it's you. And you're like, oh. <laughs> Number four. Well, it's obvious that any person would like to see his or herself because it's natural instinct that a person would like to see if he or he, if he or she is looking good or not. So they're all, we're all, that's what we do. Number five, it's probably something instinctual. We not might, we might not be able to control it. So these are the top five of why we look at that. And now you're thinking, why do I look at myself? But let me just say this. The question is not how we look in the portrait. You see, you've looked in the mirror all the time. You know who you are. You know what you've seen. It's not how you look. We just like to look at ourselves. But here's what I want you to see. And I want you to ask this important question based on our study. Does the picture, does the picture truly reflect who you are? What? Yeah, let me say that again. Sure, yes, we look to see if our eyes are closed or if we have a silly grin or whatever it might be. Or if you have something in your nose, I would ever hate to picture and have something, you ever have that in. So, so of course, but honestly, we look to see if the picture being taken and displayed reflects who we really are. Does it reflect? Does that portrait reflect who I am? Now, listen, church, the reason I share this with you, first and foremost, I really didn't take your picture, so you don't have to worry about coming in next Sunday and going, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And then look for me to make sure you're not looking at you. No, no, I'm over here. That wasn't the point. Here's the point that I wanted to bring out. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is going to illustrate and what he's trying to communicate to the church at Philippi. You go, what's he doing? You see, in our text this morning, we discover a picture that Paul is trying to paint. But it's a portrait of humility. And within the first 11 verses, Paul gives us a principle that we need to apply, and then he's going to give us a picture on how we're to apply it. That's the first four verses. Then in verses 5 through 11, we discover the picture that Paul is painting, and then he's going to give us four, if you're taking note, characteristics of humility. And what you and I are to do in the first 11 verses is see how we look in this portrait. How do we look based upon what Paul is trying to teach them? Is this this characteristic of me? Do I look like this? That's very, very important. So if you're taking note, let me give you four real quick, and then I'll double back. The first one is sacrifice. Sacrifice. In verses 5 through 11, we're going to see this characteristics of humility. It starts with sacrifice. And then it talks, and then the second one is servant. Servant. So you got sacrifice, you got servant. The third is submissive. And the fourth we don't like because it's suffering. It's suffering. So you have four S words that Paul wants to paint. Now, now listen, I'm getting ahead of myself, but let me give them to you really quickly. You've got sacrifice, you've got servant, you've got submissive, and you've got suffering. But first and foremost, I need to remind you what we talked about last week. And you go, why do we need that? Here's why. Because when you understand what we talked about last week, it makes this week's message make more sense. Now, last week, we left off in verse 30 of chapter 1. And because chapter 2, verse 1 starts off with a therefore, we need to go back to see what it's 
therefore. Anytime you see a therefore, you always go back. So we're going to start in verse 27. Here's what we read. Verse 27 of chapter 1 says, Paul writes, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them proof of perdition, but to you it's salvation that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. Now, very quickly, that's what we talked about last week. And we discovered four qualities that would help us stand strong in adversity. If you weren't here... I had a stool right here. There's four legs that really help us stand when we face adversity, when we face these things in life. You go, what were they? Well, the first thing you need to remember last week, we talked about a consistent walk worthy of the gospel. You see, that word conduct is not just simply behaving. It means we represent God as citizens of heaven. That's what it means. So he's saying, make sure you represent. Now, the word worthy, if you remember, it's the balances. Are you worth your weight in gold? Are you worth your salary? And he goes, make sure you're walking that if someone were to look at you, they would say, oh, yeah, he's worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's, he's, he preaches the gospel. No, 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 not simply with the mouth, but he preaches the gospel by how we live. That's very, very important. How we live, how we conduct ourselves, how we speak. Are we worthy? Do you balance out? You go, well, what's the opposite? Listen, if, if, we, if we don't have a consistent walk, a consistent walk, then what happens is then we're labeled a hypocrite. You see, we're saying one thing, and our lives are reflecting something else. And that's what we need to be careful. That's the first leg we need to stand on. The second thing we need to stand on is unity. Unity slash harmony. Paul says, I come and see you, or I'm absent, you may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now again, we need to understand the word harmony is so much better, because it means that we're just, we're just harmonious in the gospel. Here's why. Not every one of us is going to agree theologically. We might be a little bit different. But on the gospel, he says, listen, because there's adversity, you need to, well, you guys need to bend together because of the hardship and the persecution. That's why it's important that there needs to be harmony in our walks with God. We need to have our brothers back in harmony. Okay? There are some non-essentials in the Word of God that we don't need to fight over. Well, I believe this. We don't do it. We go, that's non-essential. Do you believe Jesus died on the I believe Jesus. Do you believe it? I do. Then we're brothers, and I got your back. And you got my back. That's what he's saying. He's saying that's, that's another strong one. Then he says, what's the third one? The third one we talked about is courage. He says, not any way terrified by your adversary. Paul is saying, listen, you guys need to be courageous. Why? Because the word terrified means, it means um, basically it's said of horses or other animals when they get startled or suddenly scared. And you know what happens if you startle a horse. A horse will jump up and kick you. Like That's how he gets startled. He says, don't be startled like that. Don't be startled. 
The word courage implies a firmness of mind and will in the face of danger and extreme difficulty. Why would Paul write that to us in the church in 2023? Because ladies and gentlemen, the moment we walk out those doors, we're going to face adversity as believers. You're going to face it. You're going to have people criticize you. You're going to have people not like you because you stand fast in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now this blows your mind. You go, why? Why does it blow my mind? Because, because you as a believer are so much better than when you weren't a believer. And you do so much more good. And the world doesn't like that? Exactly. Because we live in a dark world. And you know what you do? You come in and you're shining the light. And guess what happens? Critters don't like the light, do they? Whenever the light shines, they run. They run. Have you, ever, have you ever seen a critter just stand and look at you in the middle of the, it's a dark and turns on the light, and he's like, hey, what's up? They, they, they scatter. They don't like the light. They're being exposed. And the last one, the last leg we need to stand on is agony. Agony. And that means extreme physical or mental sufferings. Paul says, for, you, for to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Now, nowhere does it say it's fun. Nowhere does it say you're going to wake up in the midst of agony and suffering for Christ and go, woohoo, what a great day. What's the matter? I'm suffering for Jesus. That's never us. We wake up in reality, we go, I don't understand why my family, I don't understand why my parents, I don't understand when my brothers, I don't understand why my kids are turning against me for the sake of the gospel. I don't get it. I don't understand why I didn't get that promotion when, in fact, hmm, Because God has called us to suffer for his sake. Now, let me just say this about suffering. Sometimes you will suffer for the gospel because you're a believer. You will suffer. They will persecute you. And other times it's just life. God's not looking down on you and, 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 and hey, man, I, I ended up with cancer or I've got this bad or this and this and this. Listen, that's just life sometimes and we get these things. And sometimes we'll have to suffer. We'll have to suffer. But it's also, guys, again, it's that agony. Okay, Lord. Okay, Lord. Now, listen, honestly, this is not a way to grow a church. This is not the way to grow a church. Hey, come on in. You're going to suffer for Jesus. You want to be a real Christian. You're going to have pain. Come on in. That's not how you grow a church. If we wanted to grow to every single uh, blue chair filled, we would, we would speak all of, of butterflies and roses. Oh, yes, it's... It's wonderful, the Christian walk, and you'll fly above the clouds. And, and you go, but that's not reality. Reality is that you and I are what? We're not in the playground, we're in the battleground. When you took on the name of Jesus, when you became a fully devoted follower of Christ, guess what? You entered the, the battleground. You did. And I love you enough to tell you the truth. It's a battleground. It's a battleground. That's what we talked about last week. So each one of us is called to live worthy 
of the gospel. And so now Paul's going to come back and he's in this letter and he's going to give us the principle and then he's going to paint a picture. My, my challenge to you in these first 11 verses is how do you see yourself in this picture? How do you see yourself in the picture? If Paul was to pull a big portrait behind us with all of our faces, we're going to look for us, but how, how do you measure up? You see, the Word of God is a mirror. The Word of God is a mirror. We mirror our lives, and, and the beautiful thing is, is if we don't measure up, the Lord says, I understand. Now, let's, let's work on that. Let's work on that. If you have trouble with humility, let's work on that. This is the where am I? And so we need to know what the Word of God says so we can grow. Let's let's look at the principle. You guys ready? Verses one through four. Read with me. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, in any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also the interest of others. Very, very important. Now, to understand the principle that Paul is teaching us, guys, and, and here's what we need to and the principle that we are to obey, Paul starts off with a therefore. Therefore, and then he proceeds to talk to us about our relationship with Christ. So whenever we see a therefore, we need to go, we need to grasp two things, okay? Whenever you see a therefore in scripture, there's a couple of things you need to do. You need to go back, therefore, you need to go back to the previous verses to understand what Paul is, is, is writing. He's kind of going, he's going, therefore, that's the first thing. Okay. The second thing you need to understand is whenever you see a therefore, he's about to give us some application, some things we need to apply. You're like, okay, some things that we need to mirror on our lives and see where we're at. It's a therefore. It's a therefore. So he comes in, he says, so therefore, we talked all about what? How to stand strong in adversity. We talked about what? Unity and harmony. We talked about courage and agony. We talked all about these things in, the, in 27 through 30. And now he says, therefore. You ready? He says, the first thing he asks is, is, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? And he's asking you, is there any encouragement? And you go, of course, there's a lot of encouragement from belonging to Christ. There's a lot of encouragement for being a Christian. First and foremost, I have the best family in the whole world. We're family. And I like being family. And Paul understood that because when he uses the word brethren, it's translated out family. So you're family. That's a lot of good encouragement. I got family. I got family. And I'll tell you what, when things get really rough in my life, I need my family. I need my family. They come alongside me and they help me and they encourage me. I need family. You need family. And so Paul goes, hey, by the way, have you been encouraged from, from being a believer? Have you been encouraged? You're like, yeah. Why? Well, not only do we have family, but we have joy and we have peace. It's not like the world. Now, I want you to go back for a second to your BC days. Do you know what your BC days are? Before Christ. Do you remember when you were out there living the Vida Loca, right? Remember when you were all crazy? 
Why? Because none of us were ever born in, in church, okay? None of it, your mom didn't give you birth here and you, so, so before you came to Christ for real, you didn't have that peace. You didn't have that joy. And there was a struggle in your life. And you kept searching for it. And Paul says, hey, hey, listen, is there any, do you have encouragement from belonging? You go, yeah, 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 I do, I do. Hey, oh, by the way, let me, let, me, let me point number two. He says, is there any comfort from his love? Oh, are you kidding me, Ben? I can't tell you the amount of lonely times that I've had that I felt God's comfort. I can't tell you the times that are, we were stressed. You know what, Ben? I'm comforted by the love of Jesus. I am, I am. He says, is there any fellowship in the Spirit? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys know this. You know this. If you meet another believer, your spirit bears witness of his spirit. You're like, man, this is a brother. This is a bro-. There's fellowship in the Spirit. You're like, man, I don't know. I met this guy. It was, this is cool. This is cool. See, last week, I don't know if you knew this, but last week I had my friend and he led worship here on the piano and then he went back to New Mexico. But one night, on Saturday night before we came to church, him and I went out and grabbed some dinner. And as we were having some dinner, we were laughing and and goofing off and having a great time to where the general manager came over and said, why are you guys so happy? And we're like, "Uh uh-oh, we're in trouble. He said, why are you guys so happy? And so we, he, you know, my friend says, well, you know, I'm leading worship. He's a pastor. Blah, blah, blah. He goes, oh, praise the Lord. I'm a believer too. And he says, I just noticed there was something about you guys. Wow. You see, we had fellowship of the Spirit. I didn't have a big t-shirt that said, I'm a believer. I'm a, I'm a Jesus. We just, guys, it's inside us. It's inside. People know. They notice. They notice. And so Paul's asking, guys, is there any fellowship? Of course. Of course. He goes, by the way, are, are your hearts tender and compassionate? And you go, oh man, you didn't want to know me before. That's tender and compassionate. Are you kidding me? There's a big difference. I used to want to lay hands on people. And now I want to lay hands on people. You know what I'm talking about? I, I wanted to lay hands on people. I wanted to throat punch them. That was me before. But now, I love them. And it's weird. I'll tell you why. Because guys don't like to hug. We're like, hey, what's up? But when you're a believer, you're like, come here! Give a big old hug and a bear hug and everything. And they're like, wow. And if they're new believers, they're like this. What are you doing? I love you, brother. I love you. Come on, you guys. You know what I'm talking about. Before we're like this, how you, how you doing, bro? Just, hey, elbow, what's up? Or then we just do the nod, we're like this. <laughs> right? We, but we get saved. We get saved. Woo! We get saved. We get, whoa, we get saved. Man, we're, we're hugging everybody. And, and then this is what blows me away. Big old tough dudes get saved, and they're crying. And I'm like, Wow. It blows me. Why are you crying? Jesus. I mean, you're just like, wow. That's what he. That's okay. That's what he's talking about. Hearts that are tender and compassionate. And so Paul says this to you and I. He says, he says, make my joy complete. 
You guys are like this? Yeah, you are. He says, make my joy complete. How? By being like-minded. Being like-minded. Now, before we can move on, we have to do some work. Look at verse 2 with me again, guys. Paul says, fulfill my joy. I want you to see this. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Something jumps out on this this verse. Do you guys see it? Why would Paul say like-minded and then one mind? It's like, Paul, can't can't you get it straight? No, no, he's actually using two different words here. He's really wanting you to see something. He says, Paul says, guys, first and foremost, we need to be like-minded, and we also need to be of one mind. You go, okay, what are we talking about? Well, first and foremost, in order to understand this, we have to break it down, because he's telling us that we need to have the mind of Christ. Well, how so? Well, first and foremost, we're called to be like-minded. You and I as believers, are we should have the same love, being of one accord, and one mind. What is God calling us to do? He's calling us to be unified in the body. He's calling us to be unified in the body. He truly understands that we're not all going to agree on every point. Nobody's ever going to agree, but when it comes to the essential of the gospel, he's saying, guys, we need to, we need to be unified. We need to be unified. And you guys should have that same Mind, but he says, he says, now, here, here's the two Greek words. Not that I'm big on Greek, but the first one is friend, P-H-R-E-N, and it means having the same attitude in the gospel. In other words, we're like-minded to God's word. You believe with all of your heart from Genesis to Revelation, it's the inspired God-breathed word of God. This is God's, you go, I believe it. I believe it. It's inerrant. This is how God did it. I wasn't there, can tell you, but I believe it. Amen. You're like-minded of the, of the Word of God. He's saying, we, we have that. We have that. The second word is heis, and it means one, but it's also having the same attitude. Okay? Once again, listen to me, we're not all going to agree on everything, but we must have the same attitude mindset when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what he's saying. Paul looks at them, smiles, and he says, fulfill my joy by having the same mindset, by all of us having the same attitude, the same love, walking together in one mind, in one mind. He's saying this is how we should be. We should be. And you go, okay, Pastor, I've got a question. So if I'm going to apply what Paul wants me to learn here, having, having a great mindset, having the mind of Christ, how? How? Well, How can I have the same attitude, the same mind as Christ, as my brothers and my sisters? You ready? If you're taking note, Paul says, don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Guys, look what he's saying. Let's go back. Go back and and, and see it. He says, fulfill my joy, having like-minded, being the same one accord, one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition. What's the first thing? This is how we need to grow. Don't be selfish. 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 The world always comes and tells us that we need to be, it's about you. You've got to get yours. And the Word of God says, hey, listen, as believers, we should give that up. 
says, don't do anything through selfish ambition. Yet, it's corporate America that says, you need to climb on whoever you need to climb to get where you're going. Oh, okay. Okay, so what do we do? We obey the Bible. Don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Let me let you on on a newsflash. I'm selfish. I'm selfish. It seems like it seems like I, I we battle that all the time in our flesh. Like, oh Lord, ah. Oh. But if I want the mind of Christ, I can't be selfish. Well, what should I do? Well, the second part he says values others above yourself. Whoa, wait a minute. This isn't natural. What do you mean? I'm supposed to love my brother and value him more than me? Yeah. Yeah. What a testimony that would be when we values, value others more than ourselves. Listen, and I don't mean you value someone so I can, oh man, I'm going to rub elbows here with my brother because he's a contractor, and if I rub elbows with him, then he'll come over and pour my concrete for free. This is good. This is, hey, buddy. That's not what we do. See, that's, that's being what? Selfish. You know what's not selfish is when you do for somebody that can't do anything back for you. Can't help you at all. Why do we help strangers? They can't do anything for us. They're not connections. We're not in church networking. Oh, okay, okay. Who's got a million dollars in here? Oh, that they're gonna be my friend. Hey, hey, we're building a new church. Hey, well, what do you think? Yeah, we don't do that. We go, we go, we go to the single moms. We go to whoever, and God puts on our heart. We go, hey, we just want to bless you. How can we help you? How can we help you? That's what we do. But then he also says, now, here's, here's another way. If you're going to have the same uh, mindset as Christ, he says, express concern for others' interests. Notice again, guys, you've got to see it. Look, at, look at it again. He says, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. And what you need to understand is Paul's not saying, hey, you can't walk around like, well, I haven't shaved today, brushed my teeth because I spent all my money and I gave it. He says, go ahead, do what you do. Look good, smell good, but what? But look out for somebody else. Look out for somebody else. Be thinking of other people. Christians, guys, should be others-oriented. We should always be others-oriented, going, okay, how can I help a brother? How can I help a sister? What do they need from me? Do I have the means to do this? We definitely don't want to be hoarders, do we? Everything mine, 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 mine. We need to give it away. We need to help others. Help others. If I'm being honest in church, that's hard to do. That's real. It's hard to sit down and go, okay, what can I do? And God will give you the right people around you that goes, hey, hey. If I was in college and I decided I'm going to sell my books, I need to make some extra cash. I need some money. But then I found somebody who was really struggling and they needed those same books. But instead of selling them, I give them. There you go. Yeah, but you, yeah, I could, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm eating ramen noodles just like you. But nonetheless, this is what God has called me to do. I want to bless you. I want to bless you. Whatever, whatever it is, and I'm not telling you guys don't, don't sell your book. I'm just saying, Okay. He's telling us, guys, he says, he says, 
let each one of you look out not only for his own interests, but what is he telling us, church? He's saying, man, you need to express concern for others. Now, let me see how this works. There are times when we go to a brother and we say, hey, bro, how you doing? And the brother says, I'm doing okay. And, and that's the go-to answers. But what we need to realize is they go, hey, no, how are you really doing? How are you doing? And I want to build that trust so, so that you know that, that, and I'm here for you. Well, to be honest with you, I'm really struggling in this area. We've got to have people we can trust. And we can open up and go, man, I'm, I'm struggling. I need some help. Really? Okay, well, let's, let's pray. And can I just say this? Don't gossip about that. Don't gossip. God has called you to look and, and, and have that interest of others so that you can be a blessing and a light. We don't go home. Now, listen, if you're a couple that goes, listen, please don't tell me because I tell my wife everything, then ask for permission. Hey, if you're going to tell me something and it's in deep confidence, do you mind if I tell my wife? Because this is the relationship we have. But we don't gossip, do we? We don't gossip. Let me tell you the number one way Christians gossip about something about someone that they confided in. Can you help me out on this? Does anybody know? Yep. God, you know Joe over there. Man, we're praying for him. We're praying for and then and then we just we spill the beans. God knows what the prayer is. We know what's going on with Joe, but we we, we like to do, and that's not what God has called us to do. God says, hey, Lord, we lift up Joe. You know what's going on. We bring him to your throne room. Now, if Joe gives you permission to share, by all means, share. Hey, you know what? Hey, hey Joe comes to me and says, hey, could you pray? Is, is, this a, is this a private or is this someone? This, no, go ahead and share it with. Okay, Lord, we pray that Joe has a horrible golf game and he just needs to get better. And... Uh, Lord, he can't hit the ball. I mean, whew. You know it, Lord. You know it. Can't putt for nothing. Love you, buddy. <laughs> He's going to get me back. He's going to get me back. Paul says, Paul says, listen, fulfill my joy. In other words, make me truly happy, guys. And I'll tell you what, as a pastor, I get that. When you guys do stuff like that, man, I'm going, oh, it fulfills my joy when you're walking in Christ. It just fulfills. Oh, I love it. I love it when you're not selfish. I love it when you're giving. I love it when you go the extra. Oh, this is so good. This is so good. Here's why. Here's why. Remember Ephesians? Ephesians says, hey, listen, I don't know if you know this, but you all are in the ministry. You all are in the ministry. I'm the equipper. I'll teach you the Bible, and then you go out and do it, and we'll go, all right, and I see you doing it. Ah. I'm like, I'm like a pappy. Oh, that makes my heart feel so good. Did you hear what so-and-so had? Oh, I love it. That's great. Oh, oh, how sweet. How sweet. Paul says, don't be, don't be, don't try to impress others. Isn't that how we try to do that? We try to impress others. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. He says, don't look out. For your own interest, take an interest in others too. So the principle is, here it is, ready? And how we apply to our lives. Just to reiterate the point, Paul then paints the picture of what that looks like. So he's saying, okay, 
Here's the picture. He gave us the principle. What does it look like in our lives? Okay, because now we've got to take a step back and go, Lord, am I selfish? I mean, really. And Lord, am I, um, am I, do I value others more than me? And, and ask him. Because now he's going to paint a picture because he wants us to have the same mindset as Jesus. And we've got to know what Jesus is so we have the same mindset. Look with me at verse 5. 5 through 8 says this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Do you guys see that? Have the same mindset as Christ, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. Okay, let's break it down. Let's break it down, okay? Here's what we're going to do. We're looking at four characteristics that you and I must develop to have the same mindset, have the same attitude of Christ. These are four uh, characteristics. Look at verse 6 with me again. Who, speaking of Jesus, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery. If you underline it, this is what you need to know. The very first characteristics we learn right here is sacrifice. Sacrifice, I gave him to you early. Why? Because Jesus was fully God, and yet he sacrificed his position in heaven to come to earth to save us from ourselves and our sins. And though he was God, he did not think of equality with God or something he clinged to. Do you realize as you read the Gospels, Jesus never ran and said, Well, I'm God! You need to listen to me because I'm God. He never, he just, he humbled. And it was, what, what, a, what a sacrifice. What a sacrifice. I want that same mindset. Jesus came to earth willing to sacrifice. And so I, asked, I wrote this down. Here's the question we have to ask ourselves. What are we willing to sacrifice for the sake of Christ? What are we willing to sacrifice? Okay. If you are a millionaire in here, a millionaire, and you give $50,000 to the church, that's not a sacrifice. You, you have the money. It's not a sacrifice. So we must understand, what are we willing to sacrifice? And a sacrifice is something you really don't have. That's a sacrifice. Let me, let me illustrate it with this story. One day... A Korean missionary was with a friend who was traveling through the country. His friend was amused to see a field, a young man pulling the plow, and an old man holding the handles. They must be very poor, remarked the friend. Yes, was the reply. When the church was being built, they wanted to give something. So they sold their only ox to give the money. That is why this spring they have to plow like that. What a sacrifice, exclaimed the friend. They did not call it a sacrifice, replied the missionary. They were glad to have an ox they could sell. What are we willing to sacrifice? If I'm going to have the same mind set as Jesus, what am I willing to sacrifice? Please don't let your minds go to money. It's not about money. It's about what you're willing to sacrifice. Your time, your talents, your efforts, 
what could it be? What could it be? When we work, we work as unto the Lord, not to, not for man, unto the Lord. Let's look at verse 7. But he made himself no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. Second characteristic, church, that we must develop is that of a servant. A servant. Why? Because my Jesus, fully God and fully man, came down and he took the what? He took the form of a servant. Think about this. There's no king in the world that's going to come down and, 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 and sacrifice and service for his subjects. They sacrifice and serve me. That's what makes God different. God said, I'm going to... And he comes down and Jesus served. He served. When you look at this and he says, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness, he he says, another translation, he made no reputation. He basically, guys, emptied himself. The Greek verb here used is kinu and it refers to Jesus pouring himself out. In light of verse 6 and verse 8, it seems to imply that Jesus laid aside his rights as God in order to become the world's servant. We should have that same mindset. What are we doing? What are we doing? You know what our mindset should be, quite honestly? You ready? Yes, pastor. Why did not? Yes, pastor. After you realize what God has done for you, our servant is whatever you need. Hey, hey, can you? Yes, sir. You haven't even know what I ask you. It doesn't matter. I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve. Hey, do you mind sweeping the park? No, nope, I'll sweep the parking lot. I'll clean whatever it might be. We should have that attitude because of God. I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve. Here's the thing. You guys heard me say this a thousand times. Everybody wants to be a servant until we're treated like one. Until we're treated. You see, we want to serve, but we want pastor, we want people to, hey, good job, good job. Hey, yeah, wow. But what if nobody, what if nobody sees? Yeah, well, I wanted, I wanted the elders to see. I'm sweeping the park. Look, look, I'm pulling the weed. No, you know who sees? God. He sees our, we're just a servant. But see, we don't only have to be a servant in church. We can be a servant anywhere. Anywhere you see people, you're just that servant. What can I do to help? What can I do to help? You see, when we go to Israel, and we have a lot of old folks that go to Israel, and it's hard for them to walk on the, on the rainy and, and the rocks, it's hard. So you know what a true servant says? Okay, I don't need to go. I'm going to make sure that none of, nobody falls. That's a servant. That's a servant. A servant is when, when there's a potluck and everybody's done eating and you're done, you can get up and you start, let me help you, let me help you, let me just take care of that. Why? You're just serving the Lord. You're serving the Lord with gladness. You know what a servant is? A servant is, is, is when you're in children's ministry and you're pouring the gospel into these young minds that are bombarded 24-7 with junk. That's a servant. Oh, I just have an hour with them. Are you kidding? I'm going to share the gospel. I'm gonna, this is what Jesus does. This is who he is. You know how awesome it is to hear your nine-year-old granddaughter ask you if the rapture is going to take place? Grandpa, is, is the rapture good? It could happen. Oh, maybe today. She's not scared. She's not like, oh, 
I'm only nine. I, I have a whole life to live. She's like, whatever God wants to do, let's go. But where does she see that? Hopefully the portrait that, that we show her here is, is what's going on. Listen, listen, church. If we're going to have the same mindset of Jesus, we must become bondservants to the Lord. And when I think of service to the Lord, you know who comes to mind? The missionary Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor. Let me share this story with you. As the story goes, there were two boys in the Taylor family. The older said he must make a name for his family. And so he turned his face toward parliament and fame. The younger decided to give his life to service of Christ and so turned his face towards China and duty. Hudson Taylor, the missionary, died, beloved and known on every continent. But when I looked at the encyclopedia to see what happened to the other son had done, I found these words, quote, the brother of Hudson Taylor, end quote. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? So, so, so I'm sitting there this morning, I'm sitting in my study going, Lord, it's not like you're asking us to quit our jobs. And every, not everybody's called into full-time ministry. But in service to the Lord, our full-time jobs can be what we need to do to accomplish that. Your job isn't about you because he's already told us, don't be selfish. Your job is about, okay, I'm providing for my family because I'm not selfish. I need to provide for my family. I need to, and then some, and then I need to give. I need to give a given above and beyond. And guys, you know at Calvary Chapel, one of our, one, one of our distinctives is we don't pass the plate. Can you imagine passing the plate and coming over and going, here you go. Right? And, and just, you're uncomfortable. You're like, we don't do that. We just go, it's a Christian thing. You just gotta, you just gotta serve. Just, just give. Just give about, wow, what can we do? That's amazing. I wonder, church, if we should do a heart check to see if we're truly called as a bond servant. Do I have the same mind? Am I willing to serve? Let's continue. Verse 8. And he, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Let me give you the third characteristics we have to develop. The same mindset, guys, you can jot this down. Submissive. Or should I say, we learn to be submissive in obedience. If we're going to have the same mindset as Jesus, we must be submissive to the Father. No, Jesus humbled himself and became obedient. Our Jesus had the mindset to sacrifice and serve in submission. In submission. Are we, are we have that same? Do we have that submissiveness? See, this is the picture Paul's painting. This is what Jesus, okay, okay. So here's the question. Are we willing to submit to the Lord in all that we do? Are we willing to obey the word of God to bring honor to the Father? Let me just say this. Your attention, please look at me. The closer we get to the return of the Lord, the harder it's going to be for you to submit in obedience without consequences, without consequences of the world. You see, they're going to try to strip this away from us. They're going to try. The whole world is good. I mean, they've been trying for a long time. It's getting closer now. But I wonder if we have to go, no, I'm willing to obey God's word even if it costs me my job even if it costs me a relationship, even if it costs me, I don't know, I'm willing, I'm willing to obey 
God's word. I'm going to submit to the Father. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. Jesus became submissive, guys, all the way to the cross. Okay, for just a second, just a second, put yourself in Jesus' sandals. That's a hard place to be because I, I don't know. I, very rarely I could die for somebody I love. I, I would give my life for my family. Okay, I, I, would, I would, okay, my grandkids, okay, let's go. My wife, my children, you guys know that you're the same way. But if I were to look at all y'all and say, well, Ben, in order for all y'all to be saved, you have to die. I'd be like, I don't know. I like him fine and all, but to die for that. You guys are the same way. Don't look at me that way. You'd be like, I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm trying to see somebody. I might die. I don't know. I don't know. Right? Right now. But Jesus said, I'm going to submit all the way to the cross. Because he didn't have that attitude. He didn't look at us and go, oh, oh. Yeah, Rosa's okay, but, you know, we don't do that. He goes, yes, yes, that's the mindset. And we have to have that same mindset. Be what? Guys, be submissive. Do we understand the cross and what the mindset the Lord had? Oh, how do we get such a mindset? You ready? Love. When you understand how much he loves us, what happens, guys, is you drink fully of God's love, and what happens is it becomes part of you, and then you love. And you love. You want me to submit? Absolutely, Lord. But you don't know these people. It doesn't matter. I love them. They're my family. You don't know them. You don't know them all. They're talking behind you. It doesn't matter. I love them. They're family. Well, you got a dysfunctional family. I know. I'm the same way. I'm the uncle that they never invite to the party. I mean, that's just us. But it's love. Let's keep going. Verse 8b says, He humbled himself and became obedient, guys. Look look what the fourth thing is. The fourth characteristic we must develop, and yet we don't like this one. You ready? It's suffering. Jesus was willing to suffer an excruciating death on the cross. Wow. Wow. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 in the living says, And he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. He was... Ob- Paul portrays Jesus' willingness to endure suffering, ready, as a model of love for the Philippians. For the Philippians. Now, think about this for a second. If you and I, if the world gets bad here coming September, October, November, whatever it might be, and Pastor Ben and the leadership decide we're going to stay open, and the next thing you know is I'm being put in jail for your sake, that's love. That's love. And that's what, that's what we're, willing, we're, willing to, we're willing to suffer out of the sake of love. You see, that's what believers do, guys. Unfortunately, the church is known for shooting their own wounded. Somebody comes in here broken, battered, and we go, oh, well, shouldn't have done that. Instead, we should lift them up and say, come on, get back. God has so much more for you. 
God has much, so much more for you. We need to be encouraging. And, and why? Because again, think about this. Jesus' mindset was, was, was willing to endure suffering as a model of love. And that should be the same thing. You're willing to suffer as a model of love for other people. Here's what I want you to jot down. When it comes to suffering, think about this. It may hurt, but it will not injure you. Let that sink in. Sometimes we're helped by being hurt. A skilled physician about to perform a delicate operation upon a ear said reassuringly, I may hurt you, but I will not injure you. End quote. How often does our great physician speak the same message? If only we listen. This, you ever go to the doctor? Ever go to the doctor and you ask him, is this going to hurt? And they lie to you. No, it, it doesn't. Oh, you know, you're just like, I like it when they tell you, is this going to hurt? Oh, yeah. But it's going to fix you right up. Wow, so sometimes being hurt, but I'm not going to injure you. It's going to help you. What a, what a different way to look at suffering, isn't it? That sometimes this little suffering is going to hurt for a moment, but he's not going to injure us. It's not going to cripple us. It's not going to cripple us. Hmm. I, wonder, I wonder, church, in the months, in the years to come, how much we're going to have to suffer for the sake of Christ. Now, I don't think, I know we're not, I don't, we're not going to face the tribulation, but I think there's going to be suffering and tribulation in our lives. Now, let's close with verses 9 through 11. He says, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here's what I want you to note. Note real quick the two, the two states Christ was in. The first was humiliation. He came and he came. He was king. He was full. He's God. And he came and he humbled himself. And quite honestly, they tried everything to humiliate my Jesus. But the Lord says, okay. But now he's going to be what? Notice the exaltation. God's going to elevate him to a place of highest honor. Don't you just love that? And he's giving him a name that's above every name. And that one day, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. I just hope we're not there prideful. We're just like looking at going, uh-huh, told you you going to do it. Get down do it, let's go. <laughs> right? Because that's how we are. It's like, look, I've been, been asking you. No, you and I, here's what we do. We bow first. We bow. We know that we confess Jesus Christ is Lord. He's Lord. He's Lord. Can you imagine? Every tongue confess. Every tongue. 
I don't know about you, but I think I'll just be behind Jesus smiling going, mm-hmm, look at that. Oh, oh, you said he wasn't God? Yes, he is. So, Paul gives us the principle. And then he gives us the picture. But here's what I want you to do. Today we learned, and you can jot this down if you're taking note, Paul's asking us to have a submissive mindset. A submissive mindset. And Paul will continue to paint the picture using different people. He, he painted the picture of Jesus right here. Now we're comparing ourselves to the Lord and go, oh, I've got some work to do. But in the coming weeks, Paul's going to paint a picture of himself. He's going to paint a picture of Timothy and then later on Epaphrodites. So what we need to understand is, yeah, it's hard to live up to, to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But Paul's going, hey, you know what? Let's, let's, let's paint a picture of how this looks in my life and how this looks in your life. Now, in verses 1 to 4, he gave us the principle, right? It's a portrait of humility. What is it? Don't be selfish. Value others above yourselves. Express concern for others' interest. Okay, Lord, I need help with that. And then Paul paints the picture of humility. He says, sacrifice, servant, submissive, and suffering. So here's my question as we close. Does the picture that Paul painted reflect you? If we were in a spiritual portrait, would we be able to say, hey, I reflect all of what Paul was saying. I reflect all that what Paul is trying to teach us. And you go, Ben, no. Well, that would be the goal, right? That's our goal, to work towards, Lord, I want to I wanna reflect what? I want to reflect that I put others above me. I want to reflect that, I, that instead, of, instead of kicking my brother when he's down, that I encourage him. I want to reflect sacrifice, whatever you want to do, Lord. I want to reflect servanthood. Lord, I just want to serve you. I love you. I just want to re- reflect submissiveness. Okay, unto the word of God. It's the word of God. And then I want to reflect even suffering, if that should be, that I'm willing to suffer for the sake of Christ. I want to see that. That's the goal, church. That's the goal. And of course, our goal, single-minded for Jesus. That's what we should be. Can I get a good amen? Amen. Father, we thank you today for your word and your truth in your word. Lord, it's a tall order. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Lord, I want to imitate you in all these things. And I need help, quite honestly. Father, your word is so alive that, God, please, help me be a servant that sacrifices, that's submissive, and if I'm called to suffer, that I would suffer amazingly for the sake of Christ. Father, help me to be like a Job. I can't tell you what's going on, but I know my Redeemer lives. I can't tell you why I'm going through this, but I, I put my faith and trust in you. I can't tell you 
any of these things, but your God. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I need to ask you a question. Are you a fully devoted follower of Jesus this morning? In other words, have you given your life to God completely to him? Are you fully surrendered? You see, because under the power of the Holy Spirit, as you're praying right now, he's knocking on your heart, and he's saying, hey, 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 I want to come inside. I want to be Lord of your life. I want to be Lord of your life. I don't just want you to play church. I want to be God. I want you to have those same mindset as me. But some of us in this room may not have that same mindset because we've never fully surrendered to him. But I have some good news for you. Today you can. You see, here's what I want you to realize. God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. And he's standing with his arms open wide saying, if you'll just come to me, man, I've got, I've got, I've got a beautiful home for you. You just got to come. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone in here to say, Pastor, that's me. <laughs> that's me. I don't know if I'm fully right with God, but I want to today. I know, I know he brought me here for a reason, and so I want to surrender my life to God today. It doesn't matter where you've been. You might have been in a backslidden state. You might be, this might be a first-time decision. But I always want to give you an opportunity. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, would you just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to surrender my life to God today. I want to rededicate it to him. Would you do that for me? If God's moving in your heart, it's not about growing our church, about numbers. It's just about a relationship between you and God. So ask him right now, Lord, am I, is that me? Is that me? And then just simply lift your hand. Nobody will see you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Just, just making sure. That's all. That's all. Just making sure, going, today's the day. God bless you, brother. I see you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Father, I thank you for these hands that were raised. Father, that means that, that your Holy Spirit penetrated their heart. And it's not that, Lord, that, that all of us in this room have lived up to the, the portrait, God. We're, we're working that way. It's progressive sanctification. We want to be more like you. But today, we need a fresh start. And so maybe these hands that were raised is a fresh start, saying yes to you saying, open up their heart, Lord, we invite you inside. If you lift up your hands and you're serious about God, would you just pray and, and mean it with all of your heart? You can pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I truly believe in you. I repent from my unbelief. I know you are God. I know you are Lord. I know you gave me a good example that I wish to follow. But I need help, Lord. I'm flesh and I'm human and I need your spirit to come and live inside me. So, I confess my sin to you, and I ask you to come into my heart and be my Lord, be my God, be my Savior. Lord, be my friend, for I choose to follow you for forever. I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, you see my friend Keon back there? He's way in the corner. If you need prayer, if you just go, hey, I just he'll pray with you. He'll just pray with you. He'll encourage you. Um, that's what he's here for. And so, and this last song, you can get up. You can go over there. You can talk to him, pray with him if you need that. And then the rest of us, let's stand and let's ask God. Um, let's just worship. Father, thank you for your love for us. We love you. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.
We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.